0: So I want to share a couple things with you that's been on my heart. In, uh, in Zechariah 6, um, I'm going to start reading in verse 9. You can catch up when you get there. Uh, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Receive the gift from the captives from Heldai, from Tobijah, from Jediah, who have come from Babylon, and go to the same day and enter the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take the silver and the gold, make an elaborate crown, and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. And so he shall be a priest on his throne. And the council of peace shall be between them both. New American Standard says, Thus he will be a priest on his throne and the council of peace Will be between the two offices. The New Living says he will serve as a priest from his throne, and there'll be perfect harmony between his two roles. Now I don't know how many of you are familiar with some of the 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 laws and the boundaries governing, governing the old covenant, but priests don't sit on thrones. Kings sit on thrones. Priests they hang out in the temple. That's the order of Aaron. The the ministry of Aaron is in either the tabernacle, which was a portable version, if you will, a mobile version of the temple, or in the temple. Their, Their whole duty is in the temple. And so they don't get involved outside of that. That's their ministry. And yet here we have a priest sitting on a throne. Priests don't sit on thrones normally. So what is this strange thing, right? The ministry is supposed to stay inside the church, right? Let's bring it down to us. When conflict erupts, we're supposed to stay in our place, right? Stay within the walls. Just mind your own business. Separation of church and state. All of that. Don't get involved in anything outside the church. That was the priesthood of Aaron. The priesthood of Aaron was an old covenant priesthood basically established, if I put it in today's terms, under a renewable contract that would expire. But now we have a picture of something different. We have a picture of a priest sitting on a throne. Psalm 110, I'm going to begin in verse 1. I want to read a few verses of Scripture. Scripture. So the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So this is the Father speaking to Jesus, saying, sit here at the right hand of power, of ultimate authority, and I'm going to make all your enemies your footstool. And the Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. You, your people shall be volunteers in the day of your power, in the beauty of holiness, from the womb of the morning. You have the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not relent. You are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He shall execute kings in the day of his wrath. He shall judge among the nations. He shall fill the places with dead bodies. He shall execute the heads of many countries. He shall drink by the brook of, by the wayside. Therefore, he shall lift up his head. So, Jesus is a priest of a new order. In fact, he didn't even come from the priestly tribe. He's our high priest. He hangs out. In the temple, he he sits, guess where he sits? He sits on a throne that we call the mercy seat in the Holy of Holies. He comes from the tribe of Judah. He's a king by definition of the lineage of David. But he's also our high priest. He's revealing to us a new order of priesthood. If you want to know why the church has been hiding out inside the walls for so long, it's because they're still operating under an old covenant principle of the order of Aaron. There's a new wineskin that God's bringing forth for the church. There's a new priesthood that he's establishing. That Jesus rightfully established two thousand years ago, but the church hasn't quite got it yet. But they're getting it. This is the day of the restoration of the priesthood of Melchizedek. In Genesis 14, it says some some uh, some local kings went out to war. You know that was a seasonal thing. First Chronicles 20 verse 1 says that. In the spring of the year, the kings went out to war. So springtime was the time for the kings to go to war. Actually, it, it it's we translate it springtime. It really means at the beginning of the year, the beginning of the new the new time. The kings went out to war. Well, I've got news for you. We're at the beginning of a new time. We're at the beginning of a year. We're at the beginning of a. All of us have been sensing we're at the beginning of a new era. And it's time for kings to go to war. But the priests are supposed to stay hidden in the house, right? Not get involved in that stuff. So anyway, back to Genesis 14. Some local kings went out to war. Abraham's nephew, Lot, um, lived in Sodom. And these kings made the mistake of plundering Sodom and taking Lot and his family and all their stuff and taken off with it among, uh, uh, and the other inhabitants of Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham heard about it. And so he gathered his 300 plus servants, trained servants, and he went after them. A- Abraham was a man of courage And he overtook them, overpowered them, and got all the people and all their goods back. And on his way back, this mysterious character meets with him. His name was Melchizedek. This guy was a priest and a king. So before the law was given through Moses that established what the priesthood should look like and what kingship should look like, This guy shows up and establishes a precedent for something that would happen many years later, named Melchizedek. He was a priest and a king. And Abraham, the father of all those who believe, as scripture calls him, he's the father, we call him the father of faith, he's the father of all those who believe, met with him, recognized that there's something on this man that's from God and he paid tithes to Melchizedek. And the scripture says in the book of Hebrews that Abraham's great-grandson, Levi, paid tithes to a greater priesthood through Abraham, gave homage to a greater priesthood. In other words, the, men, the priesthood of Aaron paid tribute to a greater priesthood that would come. And further, the Scriptures never discloses where he came from, who his parents were, what his tribe was. Some, Some Bible scholars believe that he actually didn't have a lineage. Uh, and, and, and some believe that it just wasn't recorded so that we could use that as a pattern. But he became a historical scriptural precedent of an eventual priesthood that Jesus would fulfill. And verse 19 says he blessed him. It's Melchizedek blessed Abraham and said, "'Blessed be Abram of God Most High, "'possessor of heaven and earth, "'and blessed be God Most High "'who delivered your enemies into your hand.'" And he gave him a tithe of all. Now, the king of Sodom uh, said to Abraham, give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. And he refused, uh, he refused to take anything from the king of Sodom. But he paid tithes to Melchizedek. He recognized there's something about this guy that God wants to honor. So, until now, ministry has been mostly relegated to the church realm. And that is changing. The Melchizedek order is emerging. We are called to be kings and priests. Or as it says in another place in Peter, uh, we are a royal priesthood. We are a new generation. We are a royal priesthood. That means there's kingship and priesthood upon us. Now, back to Melchizedek, it's interesting because... All the priests came from the tribe of Levi. All the kings came from the tribe of Judah. Jesus was born out of the tribe of Judah, and it says in in uh, in the book of Hebrews that the law was changed to accommodate him because he's a king and a priest. Where was the law changed? I believe it was right back here. There was a precedent set before the law was given of a new order of priesthood that would accommodate King Jesus also being our High Priest. So I believe the Lord is birthing something in in this body. I can't speak for the rest of the body of Christ. I believe it's also happening in other places. Where we're beginning to realize, not only are we kings who come into the presence of God, we offer up praises to God. We give our sacrifices to the Lord. We give Him the worship, and and we minister the Word of God. We do all of that. But we're also kings that are called to go to war. We're called to carry a sword. And and recently... uh, I was reminded of was this the grandson the grandson of Aaron who when sin was breaking out in the camp he got his sword out and he chopped up the ones who were committing adultery right in the presence of God's people chopped them up Well priests don't do that kind of stuff, do they? It was a violation of the law-governing priesthood, but you know what? God blessed him and blessed his lineage because he stood up with a sword and he defended the honor of the Lord among the people of God. and he stopped the plague that it was breaking out among God's people. There's a, there's a spirit of warfare. That's beginning to rise on God's people. That's stirring our hearts. Is letting us know you can't just hide inside the walls of the church and pray and worship and do all of that. There's it's time for God to release your voice. And this is what you see going on in Amanda. She's really a prototype of what God's doing, because God's giving her a voice, and her 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 voice is her sword. You know, we were at this uh, we were at this conference recently, and always before she would kind of go with me and 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 lots of times all these prophetic words would flow to me and she's like well why don't i get detailed words like that well this time she was a prophetic magnet people were prophesying over her from one end of that conference to the other and one of them said this stop worrying about not having uh, having the right words to say it's not about your words god's anointed your voice it's not about having the right words. It's, it's letting your voice declare what's on God's heart because I've anointed your voice because this is a time when the warriors are to wake up and to realize it's time to not allow the enemy to, to run over the church anymore. It's time for us to get our sword up. Remember, the, the sword is the word that comes out of your mouth. A sharp two-edged sword comes out of our mouth, and that is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Amen? So... There's a shift happening. Warriors are emerging in the church, and the church is finding its weapons and going to war. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers. Now, recognize principalities and powers occupy and rule through flesh and blood. But we don't target flesh and blood. We we target... The powers of darkness that control people, that control the enemy's agenda and, and, and rule the earth. They've ruled the earth for too long. Trying to enslave people when Jesus died to set us free. There's something about freedom that God's called us to enforce. He, he, he named us freedom. Uh, freedom is a central value of this nation, and I believe God loves it because it's a central value of the kingdom of heaven. The whole idea of people having the freedom to choose right or wrong was not a, a man's idea, it was God's idea. That's the way he created us. He created us with the right to choose. The, the Lord never, I don't think anywhere in Scripture, said you will do this. Did he? He said, do this, and if you do, if you do, I will bless you. And if you don't, you're going to come under a curse. But he never says you will. He does not dominate our will and force us to do something. He gives us the, he's given us something that none of the rest of the creation has. The freedom to choose right or wrong. The freedom to choose to obey or disobey. The freedom of choice is so valuable to the kingdom because it's a value that's on God's heart. And I believe that was a central value that this nation was established on, and the Lord loves that. and He wants to take the message of freedom from this nation to the nations of the world. We are an apostolic nation. We're called to take the gospel of the kingdom to the nations. So while much of the ministry of the church is still hiding in the temple... God is stirring his warriors to find their voice, to speak against injustice, to confront darkness. And this is the real assignment of the prophetic minister of the church. The prophetic ministry of the church was never intended to just make people feel good about what God thinks about them. But it's intended to empower the church to begin to find their place and, and and to declare against the powers of darkness that have enslaved God's people for so long. Prophets are warriors. There's a prophetic anointing that's to rise on God's people that they go to war with. Now, let me connect that back to Malachi 4. There's a lot that could be said about Melchizedek. There's a lot that needs to be said about Melchizedek. Hebrews 7 is all about Melchizedek, but I really don't have time to do uh, a a, uh, a decode on all of that. Uh, But if you go to Malachi chapter 4, Verse 1, this is the last chapter of the Old Testament, so go to Matthew and turn left. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and notable day of the Lord." And he will turn the hearts of the fathers, in this, in this translation it says dreadful. Another translation says notable. And he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So what's the issue? That he's establishing, he's rest- establishing fatherhood back to the body of Christ and back to the nation. There's too many orphans running around the country laying around the country, riding around the country. And orphans don't know how to live a healthy life. Orphans don't know how to become powerful. The, 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 the nation and the church desperately needs fathers and mothers to take their place and to begin to shepherd the children. You know, there's… there's uh, some people kind of have… Um, struggle with the concept of children having a good time in church and playing and while we're worshiping, they're running around and doing their flight. Listen, freedom is an important value here and children is an important value here. And so we give the kids a lot of freedom here because we want freedom to become something that they, and, and, and church to become something they enjoy and look forward to and have fun. You know, little kids come to me and say, I love church. That's awesome. I don't want them to come into an atmosphere of control. I want them to come into an atmosphere of freedom, you know, where they, can, where they can have fun in the presence of God. And there's mothers and fathers here who can shepherd them. If they get a little out of hand, well, you know, you'll see mothers and fathers kind of uh, shepherding and watching over them, make sure that they don't do anything destructive or whatever. And kids make messes, you know. You used to. You came in this world sticky and stinky. That's just what happens, right? But we grow up out of that. If we're in a healthy environment, we don't get condemned for it. We don't get judged for it. We, we, we grow through that, those times of our life into times of becoming powerful adults who have the principle of freedom firmly established in our hearts because that's a central message of the kingdom of God. Let it never be said that this is a place where people are controlled, where people don't have the freedom to become powerful, to discover who they are. And let that be the message that we take to the ends of the earth, that the Jesus came to set you free, not to make you his slave. Now, have, have we, some of us, surrendered ourselves to become his bonds slaves? Absolutely. But you know what? In that place is the greatest freedom of all. (laughs) Being a bondservant of the Lord is the most amazing place of freedom that there is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is the worship team still here? Are they? Did, Did you guys get done? You didn't get done. Well... Let's, let's bring out the, uh, uh, the bread and the wine, and uh, we'll have communion as these guys enter back into worship, and then we'll serve you guys up here. You guys just go ahead. Take us to the throne. Let's worship the king. Let's go out in a blaze of glory today. Anybody recognize that line? That was an old Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton song. Let's go out in a blaze. I have to tell you, there's a back story to that. So, so we were, we were uh, serving at a church in another state, Amanda and I. She said you were serving there. And uh, anyway, um, they got this teacher to come in. He's, he was well-known enough that some of you would recognize his name that brought a lot of fear to the body of christ oh all these terrible dark dire things are happening you know and uh and i didn't like the guy because i don't like anything that brings fear i want to empower the body of christ i don't like uh gloom and doom that puts people into fear and so while he's teaching this line comes to me out of that old kenny rogers dolly parton song Let's go out in a blaze of glory. Let's go out like we came in. Let, let the church go out in a blaze of glory, not in gloom and doom and fear and trembling and all that. God came to make his children powerful. I asked my wife this morning, I said, is there any other time that you'd rather be living in than right now? She said, absolutely not. I've been being prepared for this time all of my life. And every one of you needs to know that. God's been preparing you for this moment in time all of your life, and you're more powerful than you know. And we have dominion over the principalities and powers of the air. And through our praise, we're going to see those things crumble and fall, and we are yet going to fulfill our assignment, which is to take the gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. Amen? How many of you are into that? Amen. So... You may not all be called to go to Peru. I wish you'd all be able to go once, but where has God called you to go? And how can we help empower you and get you ready to go where you're assigned to go? Amen? Because our assignment is to enter into Jesus' inheritance. And what is his inheritance? Psalm 2 tells you his inheritance is nation's. Ask of me, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance. We are his joint heirs. So we get to inherit nations with him. Where are you assigned to go? There's a tribe that you're called to. Maybe your own tribe. I I just don't want to get done preaching here yet. Go for it. A missionary uh, took me under his, his... uh, wing for a while as I, when I was a young believer, mentored me, started praying destiny, or uh, speaking destiny into my life and purpose. And, and the first weekend uh, that we spent with him as he was leaving, I said, do you have something to tell me that would help me? He said, yes. Go away, then come back. I said, what does that mean? He said, "Your people will not receive you right now. Go away. Let your ministry be proven somewhere else. Then come back, and they'll receive you." i thinking to myself, "Well, God wouldn't send me away from here." wasn't too many months later. He was sending me away, and I found that something shifted after I did what he asked me to do and went. A lot of times, you'll find that your life will be like the rabbit. You know, our rabbit dog would would uh, would, would uh, stir up a rabbit, and the rabbit would take off. And uh, that's okay for cottontails, but where where I grew up when I was a teenager, we had jackrabbits, and and they would just play with the dog. They would go, they would take leaps from from here to Elsie May pretty much. That's in one jump. They, these guys had big back legs, and they really knew how to move. So they'd play with the dog for a while, and then they'd take off. And, and, uh, but our dog was smarter than the rabbit. And our dog figured out that if she cut to the right, that rabbit's going to make a big circle and come back where he started. And she started dragging them in one after another. Because a rabbit tends to take off, and then circle back and come back. And you'll find that your life is going to be like that. A lot of you will go somewhere, and you'll commit to a people that you're called to and let your ministry be established somewhere else, doing something else. And eventually it seems like the Lord tends to turn our hearts back to our own tribe, to our own people, and in the latter years he'll use us with great fruitfulness among our own people. Interesting? That's the pattern anyway. So let's stand. Father, we thank you for the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. When Melchizedek came to Abraham, he served in bread and wine. The symbols of the broken body of Jesus and his shed blood. There's a lot of those mysteries we don't understand. There's a lot of things about the broken body and the shed blood that we don't understand, but we know it's powerful, we know it's redemptive. So today as we eat this bread, we remember the one who gave us his broken body to eat so that we could become whole. He became broken for our wholeness. He shed his blood so that we could be healed, restored, come into a greater covenant. So we bless the bread. We bless the wine, the new covenant in your blood. And we honor the one who gave his life. And we remember, we do this in remembrance of you, Jesus. We remember what it costs you to give us something so precious. We invite you to come and participate with us. In Jesus' name.